0: Almost Christmas, fellow community. How's everybody holding up? Uh, you're either in one of two camps. Either your hair's on fire, getting ready for the actual Christmas Eve service, or you're putting the finishing touches on your web stream, simulated live Christmas Eve experience. Oh, well, maybe you're in both camps. I don't know. So if that's you, sorry I even brought it up. You know what? I've talked about it a bit on this podcast, but hopefully you've been able to take care of yourself along the way that maybe you'll be able to look back on this Christmas with fond memories and not just feeling burnt out and wishing that Christmas were different. So let's make some memories that exist outside of the church auditorium this December. With this idea in mind, we've created some short Advent videos and readings on our website designed specifically for those of us who do technical arts in the local church. One of the things I always found difficult about cranking out Christmas was that it was easy to lose sight of why I was even doing it in the first place. So this Advent content was created as a way to help refocus our attention away from all the work that needs to get done and pay attention to all the work that has been done by Christ, which started on Christmas 2000 years ago. I would encourage you to spend just a few minutes every week for the next few weeks to center yourself on what Christmas is about. Take a break from your Christmas service prep and go to philo.org slash blog to help remind you of why you're working so hard in the first place. All right, I don't know about you, but one of the biggest things I've missed during COVID is just a chance for us to be together. And this year we missed out on gathering in person for both the Philo Conference in Chicago and in Anaheim. And man, I miss being with my people. And during the last month, I've been part of a Philo coaching cohort with 10 other local church technical artists. And one of the best parts about it has been the chance to be in community with like-minded people, people who understand my world, who laugh at my same jokes, not at my jokes, nobody laughs at my jokes, but you know, we're all laughing about the same kinds of jokes. Uh, Our group is made up of people from four time zones, two different countries, people working at churches of 400 people or 30,000 people. Some are staff, some are volunteer. Uh, The star volunteer, Sukesh, he's the volunteer production coordinator for all campuses of Hope Unlimited Church, which is in India. And you know what? Even there's tons of diversity in our group of what our churches are doing. I've been amazed at how similar each of our situations are. Uh, They even talked me into growing a beard. I mean, all the guys in the group uh, have facial hair, and so they made me become one of them. This is something that we plan to keep doing in the new year, this Philo coaching cohort. So keep a lookout on our website. For the next iteration, you can go to philo.org slash coaching or just check out our social media platforms on the podcast today, I'm excited to finally have my good friend Lee Fields from Bayside Church and MXU on. Uh, we've been friends for a good long while, and I was on the MixU podcast a few months ago, and we got to talking about hobbies. And if you follow Lee on social media at all, you know that he has quite a few pastimes. And I love this about him, and I think he's such a good example for the rest of us as far as having a life outside of what we do for the local church. Uh, the other thing I realized was that, yeah, he'd never actually been on the podcast other than with his MXU compatriots. So it was great for us to have this long overdue conversation. So let's dive in. I'm here with my good friend, Lee Fields. How's it hey, going, man.
1: Lee? Hey, thanks yeah. for having
0: me. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. It's been way overdue. So yeah. I apologize right up front that we haven't had you on sooner.
1: <laughs> well, whatever I said to make you mad, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I think it was uh, all the compliments you've been giving me lately that uh, just like, okay, got to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, cool. No, it worked.
0: Anyway, many of you know Lee from MXU, super hot thing uh, going right now, which is a lot of online training, the MXU now and teams and you have the events too, but that's kind of a side thing at the moment. Yeah, what are those? Uh, yeah, right. So good to have you on the podcast. And uh, I was trying to think of the first time we met, I'm guessing it must've been a- I think uh, I know. Yeah. Okay.
1: I think it was WFX there it is. 2010. Okay. Wow. It's 10 or 11, whichever one was in Atlanta, I think.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Might have been that.
0: All right. We were on maybe a panel discussion.
1: Yeah. I think we ended up at a dinner, maybe a okay. Beppo dinner that. <laughs> okay. Does that sound right? That someone paid for, maybe? Oh, that's so long ago. I remember I being at it. this dinner and like my. Church tech director heroes all start walking in one at a time, and I'm like, Why am I here? <laughs> it's like it was, you, Jeff Vandergeese, and Dennis Choi, and all these like legends. Funny. Yeah, it was yeah. like,
0: uh, it was like, uh, the, the, um, what is that movie where they're going to the moon? The right stuff, they're walking in slow motion.
1: Yes, all that's the exactly big, big what happened. shot astronauts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, oh my gosh. So, I think weird. it was something like that was the first time we yeah, met I yeah i was gonna
0: say uh wfx and one of those roundtable things yeah. where we were kind of on a panel together and it seemed like we just kept uh, bumping into each other more and more yeah but also you were a front of house engineer for lincoln brewster for a lot of years that we yeah. you came through willow creek a few times and yep the beginning seems a little hazy but uh yeah it, it has does, been yeah. 10 years wow
1: i know and that Man, crazy? you're getting old Dude, I know. I used to be... I still get joked about it being the young guy, but I'm 36, so I'm not that young. That's still
0: pretty young. (laughs) It is.
1: It is, but we should figure out what's the average age of a church tech director. Interesting. I bet it's like 26. Right. I was going to say, yeah, below 35 for sure. Whatever it is that you can still make $28,000 a year. That's the... (laughs)
0: Let's see. A uh, single person.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lives at home. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yeah. 27. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Lives with the guitar player and the IT guy at the church. Right. Right. That's funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, so you've been at this for a while now. Um, and as we've mentioned how old you are, uh, so maybe let's back up. So we, we know that, uh, MXU is a thing that a lot of our listeners know you from, but where did it all begin? Like, where did you kind of start? How did you get
1: yeah. here? Man, I was a church kid in the youth group playing in the church band, and that's really where it started for me, okay is I grew up in a pretty wild house, like family life wasn't great, so I would just go to the church every day after school, and I was in a marching band in high school, played in the drum line, so you know everybody starts a band in high school if right. you're if you're a christian and a musician you find yourself in a christian band playing in the coffee shops around town so that was me and there was a it was a really small church like not cool at all like red crushed velvet pews love it yeah well everywhere. this is
0: what the 90s early
1: 90s yeah this would have been like 98 oh, 99 yeah. okay. late yeah. 90s yeah <laughs> So they had a sound system there, but it was for the pastor's mic and whoever was singing, like nothing was mic'd. It, okay, just sure. Played over in the corners, like a 150 seat church. Okay. So, but we would practice there, our band. And there was a gentleman who played guitar in the band and he was a business owner. And he had a little PA in his garage for his like cover band that they. Okay. he was not using it anymore and he showed up to our rehearsal one day and is he like hey i bought you guys a pa for your band and it was like a pv mixer Love it. one giant pv amp it was like <laughs> 52 rack space amps two channels you know it's like
0: <laughs> How it came with a trailer hitch oh it was <laughs> yeah.
1: enormous uh with you know banana clip cables oh yeah like homemade everything and some homemade speakers but they were huge they were like 215s like four horns and eight like carpet, you know, these giant <laughs> yeah. things you would see at like a garage sale or something. Right, right. And then a couple Behringer EQs, like parametric EQ. And oh, I'm wow. Like, well, okay. What is this? This is not a graphic EQ. And then right. I had to start asking questions like, "How do? well, how do you do this? I had a friend that worked at Guitar Center, so we invited him over to our practice to teach me how to use this EQ, teach me how to use the console. Okay. And then I think it was right then, it was like, oh, I actually really like this stuff. Wow graduated high school. What am I going to do? I didn't want to play anymore. I wanted to be an audio engineer. So I went to college, majored in music business. Okay. Cause at the time there weren't a lot of None. recording or Hardly any way, yeah. programs like that. It's like MTSU had one, the conservatory was just starting and full sale was still 75,000 bucks. So, right. And it's not, it wasn't accredited. So, you know, parents aren't too keen on spending Spend on money that. on something. Yeah. Right. So went to college. Um, And like the tuition, you know, it's like a private liberal arts school. So it was like 20, 25 grand. So I applied for loans for 30. Okay. And then took that extra money and bought the dopest recording rig I could find. (laughs) Wow. And put it in my dorm room. Okay. So at the time it was a custom PC I built off a Newegg. And I had the nerdiest guy on the hallway help me build it. Okay. I'd go door to door and figure out whose computer had like intercoolers and fans and LED lights in it. I'm like, "Okay, this guy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, come help me build a computer." <laughs> yeah. And put an M-Audio Delta 1010 sound card in it and then bought Nuendo 2.0 off of eBay. Wow. And a couple microphones and some things like that. And that's what uh-huh. I bought. And then for the next 6 months, I did not go to class. Okay. <laughs> I played Halo <laughs> all night and messed around with Nuendo all day and like try and record all the Hands in the dorm.
0: Okay. So <laughs> and, uh, for anybody who's listening and thinking about going to college, this is, we're not endorsing uh, no. Halo all day, but it works for some people.
1: Yeah, it totally worked <laughs> yeah. out. Success story. Thanks, Halo. Yeah. And I hated school. I hated going to class. I hated doing homework, but I was really good at taking tests. So I would just show up and take the test and sure. have a passing grade. About, yeah, six months into it, I dropped out, but... I used the excuse. My parents were going through a pretty nasty divorce. Okay. So I was like, well, I got to go back home to help mom. So I actually have to drop out. I did not have to drop out. I just did go home, help family get some through some stuff. And then I was about to take a job at a local electrician company and just go be a day laborer. And because it was getting to the point, like I didn't have a job waiting tables nineteen, what am I gonna do for a career? I I just had nothing. It was pretty depressing, honestly. And the day I was supposed to go in for the interview, and my buddy's dad owned this company, so it was a it was a done deal. Sure, right. The day I was gonna go, a friend of mine that had a real band who was like touring the country called me and said, Hey, we just lost our sound guide. Do you wanna come on the road? And it was the band Disciple. They're a pretty big like heavy rock Christian band. Sure. And did a couple years on the road with them. They signed a record deal with Sony. And they're on this big management company with a lot of other Christian bands. And I end up mixing for like all the biggest Christian rock bands over the next few wow. years.
0: Can I interrupt your yeah. thought for one second? So before you went on tour with them, so you kind of jumped from, you know, yeah. like I was really into this audio thing. I mean, had you been mixing live like between dropping out of college or in that college time to this point, had you been doing front of house work or just kind yeah, of picking so, your
1: way around recording stuff? No, it was like any cafe or coffee shop or club you went to that didn't have a sound guy and your buddy's band was playing, it'd sure. be like, oh, Lee's here, have him go back and
0: okay all right. mix.
1: So I didn't, I had never been paid a dollar to mix for anybody. Wow. It was just, <laughs> yeah. I knew enough about, music i had some a musical background and right. now i knew what eq did sure. that was it yeah <laughs> i didn't i still like i'm getting paid with disciple and i didn't know what a compressor was i didn't right. know what a gate did <laughs> none of this yeah like the tour they sent me on was an Allen & Heath GLD console, something, whatever that is. Right, yeah. And it had a sweepable low band that would get, it oh, could right. go down to 50. And that uh-huh. was like, I'd never seen one of these before.
0: Yeah, that is so great.
1: Yeah, so no, yeah. I, did, I did not know what I was doing.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. So interestingly, in my own story, like audio was my thing, but I, I've learned about myself that I have very little patience for the minutiae and the details required to get really good at anything. And so Mm -hmm. like with audio, I just like, ah, this is like, I'm using the same reverb every time I, like this is back in the early nineties. And then somewhere like in the early two thousands, when I was working at Willow Creek, uh, we went to Germany on a conference and they're like, Hey, we want you to run front of house. And I'm like, are you sure? Is is that really what you're asking me to do? Yeah. Like, okay. The biggest group, like 5,000 people. So I'd never done, I'd never mixed in a room that size.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm just thinking, oh, God, I hope there's it's an analog console because like I missed the whole transition to digital. It was happening kind of in that moment. Yep. And I looked when I got there it was like a crest something it was an analog. But then like a stack of outboard gear, you know, uh, compressors and limiters and all this stuff and I'm just I'm like, um, yeah, I think I'm just going to pretend that's not there and I'm just going to work with what I know. I know the yeah. EQ, I know the faders and I'm just going to mix music. And just, yep. and fortunately for me, the band sucked. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> so all the, all the mixed uh, questions were the band's fault. So.
1: Yep. <laughs> I've been there. Anyway. Yeah.
0: So all these Christian bands, just you hit the labels, top yep. names and.
1: Totally. Yeah. And it wasn't like a Christian touring is now where it's like all arena shows and there's 10 bands back then. A lot of these bands could go sell, you know, 700 to 2,000 tickets pretty easily. So right, that's right. what it was. It was it was me production managing and mixing, and you'd have like one semi, and then everything's right. in it. And there was no yep. LED walls at the time, so right, right. you could get it all in one truck. Yeah. So it'd be genie towers, some moving lights, a backdrop, and a PA. So yeah. I did that for probably about 1,000 shows like that over... Wow. Um, maybe not a thousand actually about 150 200 shows a year for 4 years or so so about sure. 800 shows right. yeah. and then we were in Modesto California and the runner at the show which is the person that drives the band and crew around town if you need to go right she was smoking hot so <laughs> okay. so i married her
0: <laughs> oh there you go <laughs> on the <Yeah>. spot <laughs> pretty close <laughs>
1: yeah. pretty close uh, we were engaged like 3 months into it and it was long distance so wow I couldn't let her realize that she was making a huge mistake, so yeah. I had to <laughs> I had to marry her quickly. Yeah, um, but she's in California. I was based in Tennessee, so I actually thought, "Man, I'm a church guy. I grew up in church. I'd love to be back in church." And said, "Okay, you move to Tennessee. I'll get off the road and find a job at a church." Okay, and that's exactly what I did. The month we got married, I like at the month prior, I think I started working at a small church in Knoxville, and I was their very first technical director. But they wow. didn't, they actually didn't even hire me to do that. They just hired a sound guy. Okay. But they didn't right. have any leadership over the tech team at all. Right. So they bring me in, and I'm like, actually, what you really need me to do is kind of try and manage this whole thing. Yeah. So I did that for three years, and I learned a ton about people and leadership and right. church culture and... <laughs> what multi-site was and oh my gosh, this church in Atlanta has other campuses that do video. What's their name? Uh, North North Point. Oh yeah, right. What what's this? the look at the ad in this magazine that Acoustic <laughs> Dimensions did? What's the Willow Creek? It looks like the Taj Mahal. Like oh, right, right. That was legit. <laughs> so like all the way back to where we met when you and Vander Giesen, yeah. and Bill Swearingen, and Dennis Choi, uh, you all walk into a room, I'm like, I am in the holy of holies.
0: <laughs>
1: so, And then you got um, to
0: know all of us and then realize yeah. that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah,
1: that we're all chumps.
0: Yeah, right.
1: And then um, about three years into being at the church in Knoxville, I get a call from Bayside Church, where I'm at now. I've been there 10 years now, and they were wow. looking for somebody who had had some touring experience in production because they associated, well, if you've done touring, you're better or you can troubleshoot right, right. or it's just, it, that is what it is. Yeah. And done church. So I moved out there to be an audio director at a campus. Okay. And then 10 years later, I'm the executive worship pastor. Whoa. There you go.
0: You crossed over.
1: I did. <laughs> yeah. How was that transition? It was great. The tax break's amazing. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, you know, it's it, it's been great. I think I've always felt a calling to lead creatives mm-hmm. and the technical. So, like, I'm half musician, really half technical. And I think that's why I like mixing so much because that, that is what it most. is. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I want things done the correct way always. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know why the attack on a compressor is doing what it's doing. Right. But I also want to mix and see people be moved by what me and the band are partnering together to do. Right, right. So, so it's a lot of both. That's cool.
0: And I have to say, one of the things that we think about at Philo is that just as a tech person, I'll just talk about myself. There are parts of the relationship with the worship leader that are uh, my responsibility. Like I, if I want the relationship to be good, then I have work to do myself. Um, yeah. I have to meet halfway. I have to like go out of my way to serve that other person. Like, I think when I was younger, I used to put a lot of that on the worship leader. Like, You seem like the extrovert. You should be like making this relationship better by yeah. getting to know me and all that. And so I realized there's a lot I can do to make this better. But at the end of the day, the worship leader is probably my boss, and whatever the boss wants— that's what we're going to do, you know, Yep. which is always a little bit deflating. But to hear about, you know, somebody who's a tech, who understands technology is also leading both teams to be able yeah. to kind of mediate between both and kind of help each, each side see the other point of view. And I love to hear that there's a church out there that the tech guy is the, is the one.
1: Yeah, I will say it, that's true. And I'm really thankful. Um, there's two, well, there's actually three of us now that lead okay. the whole team. Uh-huh. So we're equals, but it's nine campuses now. So it's, sure. it's it's a bigger job than just I could do. And we have a right. worship school and our band has a record deal. So there's a lot going on. Right, right. Um, but the other two are worship pastors only. Okay. And uh, one of them, she is a mom of two NFL players <laughs> and is a worship pastor. Okay. So having her <laughs> as this, like bucket of wisdom and she is a pastor's pastor and having her be a mentor to our team and and having a a strong female leader is amazing yeah and then the other guy tyler he's also a worship leader but he's very business and entrepreneurial minded okay so he understands structure and organization and budgets and things too so we have this killer uh, three-person team to kind of do everything yeah
0: yeah nice and so, uh, yeah, you said you've been there for 10 years, which is, yep. I mean, 10 years anywhere is a long time. Yeah. So congratulations uh, for making it. I'll send
1: you a watch or something uh,
0: to commemorate. I did leave,
1: actually. So, Oh, that's right. <laughs> there, was a, there was a four-month entrepreneurial sabbatical, as I like to call it, because <laughs> everybody was leaving, you know, Vander goes and starts, starts he's an one of my best friends. Yeah. I've said his yeah. name a couple of times. He's an Amplio. Yeah. He leaves. And basically everybody that I just mentioned is doing something different now. And I right. thought, man, I, maybe I should try this. So I went and did, I was a sales guy for an integration firm. Right, right. Did it for a few months and hated it. So yeah, I went, I went back. Went back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so did HR sort of count? Did they restart the clock or did they uh, let no. you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, <good.
1: laughs> I, at year eight, I got a five-year Southwest gift card. Oh yeah, you know? <laughs> so they're like, and now five years, Lee Fields, and I'm like, guys, I'm come no, no, on, no. really. <laughs> Everybody knows I've been there ten, but HR's like, no, you're at you're seven now or whatever. <laughs> like, thanks,
0: HR, whatever. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I wanted to kind of talk about with you is that on social media, it seems like I see you doing all kinds of things that are not related to church production. You're shooting. Yeah. Uh, you're playing golf. You're shooting things with a bow and arrow. Yeah. I've probably seen you fishing. Yeah. I saw you camping in a national park with your family. Yeah. So it seems like you have a lot going on outside of church. And yeah. One of the things that I have found really important is to have those things outside of your job to keep yourself healthy and motivated to do your job well. And I just yeah. thought— so, I reached out to you. I'm like, hey, let's talk about this idea of having hobbies. Like, why have them? Why they're so important? Yep. And maybe even how you discovered that you needed them.
1: Yeah. Let's we'll start there. Yeah. That, that'll be a good story. So, I think it's been eight years now, seven years ago, eight. I got invited on a fishing trip in Montana. Okay. And I didn't know anything about this. A guy just said, hey, do you want to go fly fishing in Montana for five days? It's completely free. All you have to do is fly there. And I'm like, um, okay. So <laughs> me and my good friend Tyler, we took the guy up on his offer and we went. And what it is, or was, still is, is an organization there called the Refuge Foundation. And it's a nonprofit. And they, their mission is to pour back into leaders of leaders. So for pastors is how they started. To give okay. pastors a a five-day experience where no one is asking them of anything. So okay. as a pastor or a ministry leader, you're always expected to give and pour right. out and help other people. So this trip, you show up and you land at the airport, they pick up your bags off of the luggage wheel cart thing and <laughs> they have you know a fleet of brand new Dodge Rams that come and pick everybody up. And they take you to this house out on the Bighorn River, which is one of the world's top fly fishing destinations. Like, okay. it, it is no joke. Wow. They teach you how to fly fish if you've never done it before, which most of the people that come there have never fly fished. Right. And then you spend five days with them. They prepare every meal for you. You do wow. nothing. There's no alarm clocks. It's not like, okay, at 730 in the morning, we're waking up and heading out. They're like, no, when, just whenever everyone's ready. When's dinner? Well, when do you want it to be dinner? Right, right. It's like that.
0: It's the opposite of decision making.
1: Yes, (laughs) it is. But it's, there's not a, um, there's not like a program either. There's not like, oh, today let's talk about what Paul says about forgiveness. Right. But what happens is around day three and a half, people start to realize how much they needed this trip. Okay. And, like walls start coming down, you know, people start talking about stuff they're going through back home. And it really becomes this amazing week of healing for a lot of people, not in a weird, like everybody's crying type of way, right, but right. in a like, oh, my gosh, this is what actual recharging means. Okay. And I, I really found that. And what it also did was it reignited this love for the outdoors I had growing up. So okay. I used to go hunting and fishing with my uncle growing up and around high school, I stopped doing it because marching band and playing in bands and you know, all that just gets in the way. You get married and have small kids and it's very hard to have a hobby like that. It's going to take you outside of totally out of your family a ton. So my kids are nine and 11 now, so it's a lot easier, but I started poking back around into hunting and shooting and fishing and just all of that. And then I made this trip to Montana an annual thing. Okay. So I've gone eight years in a row. This is the first wow. year I haven't gone. And I started hosting my own trips and then inviting people to join me. So like Todd, you actually got invited. A I did. I had to say I no. Just couldn't make it. Yeah. Because I see how valuable it is for people. So, you know, I'm trying to offer that to other folks now and right. to bring totally full circle, probably three years ago at one of the trips in Montana on the way leaving town we stopped at a store called shields have you ever heard of this place no uh. okay so imagine like bass pro okay. and ikea had a baby <laughs> okay but it's like well it's like a bass pro that's the size of ikea
0: okay like if right. you
1: thought bass pros were big there's yeah, yeah. nothing like there's a ferris wheel inside this place oh geez but they're they're like on this side of the country mostly so we go there and we had like two hours to kill and they had an archery section And if you're into the outdoors and you don't shoot archery, you look at this and you think, that's really difficult and is a massive commitment to learn how to do. Sure, okay. So I just kind of avoided it. Uh And then I heard Joe Rogan on his podcast talk about it enough (laughs) that I was like, okay, let me try it. I shot one arrow out of a bow and was addicted. Wow. immediately knew like, oh my gosh, this is this is bad and awesome and all the things. <laughs> so uh, so I got a bow and completely fell in love with it. Uh-huh. And it like obsessive <laughs> yeah. falling in love with it. <laughs> so I go on a, a multiple bow trip uh, bow hunting trips a year now. I shoot a lot almost every day. Okay. funny enough. So now we're getting into uh, why I think it's important to have a hobby like sure, this yeah, and, yeah. and the thing about archery that I particularly love so much is there's so much into it. Like, if you're a gear guy and you love gear and you want to know why the way a compressor works, if you look at archery, it's right. like that times ten. Right. That you're yeah, talking the, the like,
0: compound bow alone.
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> now add the fact that when you're shooting this bow and you're holding back seventy pounds away and you're going to shoot an arrow hundred yards at something that could kill someone, it is the only thing you can think about when you're doing it. Wow. Yeah. So it is a complete escape from everything. Wow. So it's not like some hobbies. like, yeah, I like to go walk in the park. Well, if you go walk in the park, you're going to be thinking about whatever right. yeah. is on your mind. Exactly. Yeah. With archery, if I'm thinking about you know, politics at church, I may kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you're probably not going to kill someone, but there's so much that goes into it with your form and, and all of that. It's, yeah it completely takes over and it becomes like a daily Montana trip for me. Sure. So I don't get like what I get in a full five-day hunt, like how recharging that is. Yeah, But every day I can just exhale and go, it just give me 15 minutes in the backyard. Yeah.
0: And I think that there's something about that 15 minutes of escape that is so necessary to rejuvenate your brain. Yep. Because I think if you're always thinking about the same things, you're not giving your brain a chance to relax from those problems. But yep. if you're focusing on something else, yeah, just that idea or that thing you're working on at work is still back in there yep. and just getting a chance to ruminate at, at times where you're not like need to be thinking about it a hundred percent of the time. Totally. I think, uh, so, um, Winston Churchill is one of my favorite people to read about in history. And he, when he was in parliament would say like, it's really important for us to have something else that captures our attention because most politicians they're all about that they want to be thinking about that and making deals and all this stuff and but if they don't give themselves a break they're not any good as legislators uh legislators however you yeah. say that anyway and he was a painter so that was his thing yeah and the thing that it did for him was When you're driving down the road, you like see something that, oh, I wonder what it would be like to paint that or what color is that? Or, you know, it would just for that few seconds, he would stop thinking about, you know, like what World War II or whatever his obsession was. And so, yeah, that 15 minutes of shooting a bow and arrow is so, yeah, it makes you a better person when you're not shooting a bow and arrow. Yeah.
1: Totally. In all areas, you know, even with, with MXU, my biggest role with MXU is having a pulse on the church and what they need and what new ideas and new initiatives are we going to bring to help make church better and easier for teams. Uh-huh. Well, if my mind is in a gazillion different places and then I go, okay, I need to put some, some good thought into some new ideas or new content, Yeah, I don't do as well if I'm like all wound up. right. So if I can like, man, I need like a two hour archery day and I can go, like my buddy has three acres and we have like an archery course set up at his house. Nice. So if I can go over there and do that, I know, as crazy as it sounds, that either that night or the next day, if I sit down, I'll be better. Yeah. Because if I, I'll just be thinking like, man, I'd really rather be shooting my bow anyway and I haven't. <laughs> So that does one thing, (laughs) but yeah, you're totally right. And then even, you know, family stuff, you know, I listen to my wife better the more I shoot my bow. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's hard to make time, even if it's only 15 minutes to shoot your bow because there's so much to worry about at work. There's so many concerns about having a family and kids and chores and school and all that stuff. And I think, For a group of people that like us doing production in the local church, so much of our makeup is about helping other people achieve their dreams and aspirations. And so it's real easy to sideline, well, maybe just talking for myself, sideline my own needs for the needs of the collective. And after a while, I'm not doing anybody any favors by not taking 15 minutes. Right. Or two hours or a week or, you know, the... I think all those lengths of time are so important. Maybe you're not going every other week to Montana. No. But once a year, I mean, that sounds pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it is. And I've figured out ways to do some type of experience like that. Like I'll be hunting, I hope, three times this fall. Okay. At least twice. Uh Uh-huh. But the fall is, I mean, it's the big hunting season, so it happens more. But, yeah, I have to do at least two trips a year like that or I just go crazy.
0: Let's take a quick break from the conversation with Lee to highlight one of our partners at the Philo Conference. One of our most popular breakout classes year after year is the one about rigging safety taught by Tracy Nunnally, the owner of Vertigo, a company that specializes in flying effects, theatrical rigging and safety and inspection. I've personally done several projects in all the categories I just mentioned with Tracy and the team at Vertigo and I've had a great experience every time. Here are some examples. Hey, can you help rig 140 points for a one day show at the United Center? You bet. I think there's something wrong with my curtain track. Uh, can you come out and do an inspection of our gear to make sure everything's good? Yeah, no problemo. How about uh, can we fly a dancer onto an eight x eight stage from 70 feet in the air? Yes, we can and we can do it so that it's safe and repeatable. And when it comes to all things rigging, Tracy and his team, they're the best. Whether you need to fly someone at your next service or simply want to have your team trained on safe rigging practices, the people at Vertigo can help out. You can visit their website at www.getvertigo.com. All right, now let's get back to our conversation with Lee. Now, what? how does your church feel or your boss or the leadership like about you taking time to do this thing? Are they all for it? Or are they kind of pushing back like, Lee, you're gone again. What's going on? Like, I would love to know just as a comparison, like how does your church feel about you taking time
1: away? Yeah, that's a good question. With me specifically, it's a probably more unique situation than probably most people, if not all, because I also have MXU and I'm still employed full-time at the church. Yeah. But my role is very outcomes-driven. So if I'm not there and things go poorly, then there's problems. Sure. Yeah. But if things are going well and I'm not there, then not a lot gets said. Sure. I'm also very strategic about the things I really invest into at the church, you know, especially around times when I'm going to be gone or not. So like I'll be gone the first week in November, I'll be deer hunting in Oklahoma. The week before that, I probably will cut a day off and like work some extra or, Right. You know what I mean? So Yeah, put in some extra
0: time to make sure that things go well when you're gone.
1: Yeah. Right. And even, like, let's be honest, like, you can be strategic about your visibility. Yeah. So with a big organization like ours, it's easy not to see someone for a week or two, and they're working. Yeah. So I will be more strategic during those times where I know I'm going to be gone about making sure I'm in every single meeting, even if they're optional. Sure you know, being around more, checking in with senior leaders going, hey, what can I be doing for you this week? Like, and that's not to be manipulative, but it's no, no. legit. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And I think even to be to be proactive to say, hey, I'm going to be gone next week. Yeah. This person is your contact for these concerns you have or right. this person, or, you know, just to be super yeah. upfront with uh, I'm going to be gone, but you're in great hands with this person.
1: Yep. Yeah. And they're too, I mean, they're not crazy you know, they've seen the growth of MXU and they're like, you have employees, you know? So it's come up like, well, what's your plans with this? And I say, hey, I'm willing to stay here as long as you'll let me stay. Mm -hmm. I've hired a COO to run that thing and it's going great. But yes, it does need some attention. I have to leave town a few times a year for it. So I'm always bringing that up like, hey, if, if there ever needs to be a discussion about me officially pulling my time back from here, I'm actually the first one to bring that up so that they're not coming to me going, Oh, there's that thing distracting you again. Sure. Right. Yeah. How would
0: you say, uh, so, okay, you're a unique situation at your church, but how would you say, you know, like Jake or Tyler or some of those guys that don't have the MXU thing as something that's pulling them away? Like, did they feel the same level of freedom to take time away to develop a hobby?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say they do. Um, and I, I encourage them to do that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's all about outcomes. Right. So they have to also be a good enough leader so that their responsibilities are still getting met and even exceeded. You know, even if things are just par and you've got something that's distracting you, well, the leaders in the organization are going to go, well, what would happen if he gave 100% of his time instead of 80? (laughs) You know? Right, right. I do think you really have to be performing at a high level, and your teams be running like a well-oiled machine to be able to take advantages of things like that. Right. The other fortunate thing is our organization is not very strict, but okay. they'll tell they'll tell you though no moonlighting, and that's in the handbook. Okay. But they let me do it, right? So there are some. Well, he can and he can't. I mean. I think some organizations are just going to be like that. Right. But I've been there 10 years. The team appears to be healthy, at least from the outside, as far (laughs) as they know, you know? So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's uh, interesting. Jack Welsh from, he used to be the CEO of GE. He wrote a book called Winning, which I can't remember much about the book, but he had one thing in there about, let's call it work-life balance. Yep. And so he had a whole thing about it and he's like, you know what? Your, your employer, your boss wants you to live a balanced life. They want you to have a life outside of work, yep. but they also want you to figure it out. Like they don't yes. want to have to figure it out for you. Yep. And so I think that's so important to realize that like, if you're going to have a hobby, if you're going to take vacation time, if you're going to take care of yourself in ways outside of work, it's up to each of us to come up with a plan you can't just assume it's going to happen or that, you know, like if I were Jake, that, you know, Lee's going to come up to me and say, Hey, Jake, take next week off. And here's some tickets to, you know, somewhere with your wife, whatever, right. um, girlfriend, uh, mother, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I just think it's each of our responsibility to manage what are we going to do? I, you know, I'm not going to just pick up bow hunting magically. It's got to be right. a choice that I'm making.
1: Yeah, you do. And it happened to me on accident, like I said, like if I had not gone on that fishing trip and it like rekindled this thing inside of me that was already there, I wouldn't have known that that specifically would have done for me what it has. But I do think if you can look just in your own life at like, well, what are the things I'm interested in that have nothing to do with gear? And I think it's important it has nothing to do with gear, okay? Right, right. Because this used to be my hobby. Like, right. yeah. I took out student loans to go buy recording gear. <laughs> that I, I had no business having all that. I was just so yeah. into it, yeah. you know? And now this, the tension for me in my own head taught is I don't spend the same amount of time thinking about audio anymore. Right, yeah. Because it's a job, but I'm so good at it and I love it. And, right. you know, it's like, well, shouldn't I be checking out what the latest Midas console is? <laughs> and so now it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll see that eventually. But if a new bow comes out, I'm like stalking the Instagram <laughs> account before it comes out and trying to find out all this stuff, you know?
0: A new Traeger grill comes out totally. on the market. Yeah,
1: yeah. Which, the, which that's funny. So the barbecue thing, I'm into that also. Yeah, right. That's also a part of hunting.
0: Oh right, sure Kill what you Eat what you kill
1: Yeah, that's why I got the smoker It's because with big game (laughs) The taste of big game Can deter people Right, right But when you smoke some of it it, It's better So that's why I got the trigger Was to (laughs) To smoke all this meat
0: yeah, now I would say uh I was just thinking about this uh, conversation before we got on and you know I was listing out the things that I knew that you did. So barbecue was the first thing I thought of and then hunting okay. and fishing, camping. And I, I I would say too uh on in, uh, you know Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff like everybody's life looks way better than it actually is. And oh so, yeah. And so when I see your Instagram feed, you know, it's like, it's all those things and uh, not much else because regular life is boring. Totally. But do you feel like you're just uh, personally, like, do you feel like you're hitting the balance right? Like of the, the work and the play and the time with family and the smoking things like.
1: For sure not. Yeah. For sure not. I still miss the family box getting checked. Yeah. I still do. The big mistake I currently make is a lot of my hobbies, they take me away from the home. Right, right. So my wife loves camping. Like, okay. It's her favorite thing to do. Wow. And she loves going on really long hikes that have no destination at the end and they're not rewarding to me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if there was a, you know, eight-year-old bull elk at the end of a 16-mile hike, I, I'd go. Yeah,
0: let's go. Right, yeah.
1: But- at the end of her 16 mile hike, as a selfie, but it <laughs> means the same to her, right? Yeah, you know. So I just made this mistake recently. She booked this uh, camping weekend in Lassen National Park. We just, it was just a few weeks ago, of Labor right. Day weekend, and with national parks in California, you have to book them six months in uh, to the day in For advance, sure. yeah, or they they fill up. Right. So she booked this thing back in in the spring, in March or whenever, and we're leading up to this and she's like, hey, so we have this camping trip. And then I should also preface, she's done some camping without me. Okay. But not because I said no, because she's a school teacher. So her summers are wide open. Right, right. So she'll take off for six weeks in the summer. And then I'll jump, I'll maybe have to miss a week or miss two or three. I mean, different things like that because she's She's taken off. She's super independent. She has bear spray and a knife, people. So, like, <laughs> she's fine. So, we can kind of do some things like that where she'll take the kids on a weekend and while I'm working. It's fine. Right, right. Well, this trip, she's like, hey, so you coming camping? And I said, oh, I missed, I missed work last weekend because I was hanging out with some friends in Lake Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> so, I should probably I'll, – um, I'll probably have to leave a day early. And I got this look from her. Yeah, yeah. And she she said, "You shouldn't have went to Tahoe then. You should have mm. stayed home so that you could have done this entire trip." Yeah. And I kind of pushed back. I was like, "But I came in two weekends in a row. It's kind of rough. Like I've got this stuff I need to do." And then she got mad at me and she let me know it. <laughs> and I just went, "Okay, you're right." And I called my uh, boss at the church and was like, "Hey, I got I'm going to miss this weekend. I'm sorry." And it was one of those like, man, you're gone twice. So that did happen. Right, right. But I felt like I was going to punish the church and not her. Right. You know, yeah. that was, that's just a better choice. Sure. And it, it in the end, it's fine. But, you know, even still, when I, I think, at least with my family and, and her, I need to be better about making that choice the first time. Right. So even if I had said, yeah, I went to Tahoe last weekend and I'm still going on this with you, that's actually the right call. Not let her tell me why I'm wrong it,
0: Right, and push back. You know back what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah.
1: Because even, the, I mean, we we're out there. We had a great time. We were gone for three days. She, It was probably still in the back of her mind, like I still had to convince him to come. Right, right. So I need to do better of making those trips, number one. Yeah. And then hunting and fishing and then work. <laughs> where I can, I can move the family one around in that right, list. Right, right. That's the one that I'll easily move the most, and that should be the last one I move. Right,
0: yeah. I mean, I think when you're... You know, you're working so hard at the church and there's eternal, what else is the word? Consequences, what I was thinking, but let's just say people's eternity is in yep. the balance. It could feel very important to be there. You got a team, you don't want to let them down, all that stuff. And then recharging yourself also is an important thing. You know, being with your family isn't necessarily recharging to you. But no, it can it's be, freaking but it's, hard work. Right, but it's recharging to your kids, yes. to your spouse. And so like- yeah, just trying to make this is why I don't like the term balance like work-life balance because there is no, no. at any one time it's out of balance. There's never yes. any like perfect weighted thing. There's too many things to put on the scale. It's like Yep. It's a three-dimensional. It's not like one and two things up and down. It's like a whole disk that you're trying to keep level. Yeah, and it's Yep. Impossible. And so it's probably all comes down to being disciplined with your time like like your wife. We're going to make we're going to make a reservation 6 months from now. We're going to put yeah. it on the calendar and we're going to do it. And I think that's where I know I fall short. I'm usually like, "Oh, I've got a 3-day weekend tomorrow. Yeah. Let's go do something." Like right. Yeah, it's probably too late. Yeah, maybe go do something, but like the benefits you could get from something if I was just disciplined enough to put it on the calendar ahead of time.
1: Yeah, and I I avoid planning that far out because I want to be able to change things. Yeah, <laughs> so like when I see her on the national park website, and I'm like, "Whoa, where are we going in March?" <laughs> where? <Like> she, yeah. <laughs> last week she was booking a, the spring break trip or whatever, uh-huh. and it's camping in Death Valley. That's <laughs> where she's gonna go,
0: and <laughs> she knows how much you love it. Hey, try yeah. this one on,
1: <laughs> right. You know, but now, now she'll say things, and she's she's right. She's like, "Well, if it was a hunting trip, you would go," and I'm like, "You're, you're totally right. I would." So i'm having yeah. to change my perspective and and the cool thing is too like the kids are getting older so like right. we'll see uh you know what looks like a a dog track on the trail and they'll be like is that a mountain lion and yeah. i am like, nope, see, it's you can see it's claws because dogs' claws are out all the time. Some outlines uh, aren't. So now I'm making it a little bit about hunting for sure, me yeah, even yeah. when <laughs> I'm hiking 16 miles to oblivion.
0: Yeah, but yeah. well, I think when you have older kids too, it's easier to include them in some of those. Like I've yeah. seen your son shooting a bow in the backyard yep. and yep. yeah, just to include them in part of that.
1: Yeah, you know how like people say like, don't force your hobbies on your kids? Yeah. I think that's complete horse crap. <laughs> absolutely force your hobbies on your
0: kids.
1: (laughs) So he loves golf and I like golf, but now he's better than me and likes it more.
0: Okay. There you go.
1: Yeah. So I got in trouble last year because I wasn't playing golf enough. Okay. So Jenny was like, no, from her. Oh yeah. (laughs) She's like, you need to take more time and play golf with your son. Like you should play once a week with him. Right. And I was like, gosh, I am so sorry. You are so right. Yeah. (laughs) Let me push back on the, no, no. uh, Okay. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have talked her out of uh, playing golf in July and August when it's 110 degrees. So we Uh take those two months off. Yeah.
0: Okay. You know what? Uh, Just while I'm thinking of it too, I think it's important for those people who are listening and are married. So as Jenny and my wife, Bissy, are giving us time to regenerate that we're giving them time for the same thing. So because, right. yeah, we're in a partnership together. And if I'm the yep. only one getting rejuvenated, it's not totally helping the situation. But, right. yeah, for you to say, hey, Jenny, go out, go camping, you know, yep. if that's her thing. And yep. I'll take care of the kids or whatever. Yeah, so important to, to remember to do that, too.
1: I probably wouldn't offer that. But,
0: <laughs> no, I used
1: to do that. Like when I first started going to Montana, I told her like, you should do a girl's trip. Yeah. Let's find something for you like this. Uh-huh. She is not into that at all. Yeah.
0: Okay. Like the thought of
1: going on a girl's trip for her is like, <laughs> eh, gag me. Yeah. So I kept trying to do that. And I'm like, okay, you and your best friend, Lisa, like, why don't you guys go do a weekend away half moon bay I'll use some marriott points go to the spa weekend right and she's like gross no yeah. <laughs> i want to go camping with my family that's what she wants to do yeah right yeah
0: well good for you for doing it a couple of weeks yeah. ago i know nice.
1: i yeah if i hadn't have it would have been bad <laughs> but i'm selfish and i make dumb choices you know it's it's just what right. i do you're human yeah. totally cool
0: well, hey, thanks for making time. It's great to catch up for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for talking about just kind of how you view having hobbies and how important they are. I think it's something we could all do more
1: of. So. You should uh, call Matthew's Archery and get a sponsorship for this and Trigger Grills.
0: Right. And I think uh, the Refuge Foundation probably needs yes. uh, you need to get They're amazing. That too, yeah. yeah.
1: Go to their website. Check out what they do. Give yeah. them some donations. Yeah, Nice.
0: Cool. All right. Thanks for joining us. All right, see ya. Well, that was fun. I love what Lee is doing at both Bayside and at MXU. And I don't know how he finds time for all this stuff. Uh, One of my favorite parts of this conversation is the idea of how he rediscovered his love of the outdoors. He was at a retreat that he didn't have time for or that he really wanted to be at in the first place. And there's a couple of things about this. You know what? Making time to rejuvenate yourself feels like a luxury, especially when so many people are working so hard, either at home, your spouse, or your other team members at your church. And this is a big reason that I generally don't even think about making time for myself. And the other is how desperately we need to get away from the normal and unplug. And every time I do take time, I'm amazed at the feeling I get when I'm coming back. And that's, I really needed this. And running up to this conversation with Lee, I'd already started the process of scheduling an overnight retreat for myself at a local Catholic retreat center. And it can be difficult to find times when they have space available for just one person, but I finally got time on the calendar. And while I was at it, I even booked my next retreat day months in advance just to make sure that I actually did it. Hanging out with Lee is always a great time and I shouldn't wait so long until the next podcast chat. All right, we're plugging away over here uh, at Philo to make the best Philo conference ever. We're finalizing some of our main session speakers as well as lining up the best breakout faculty possible. If you lead a production team at your church and you've got some money left in your training budget for 2020, yeah, why not use it to get your team to the Philo conference? It's on May 11th and 12th, whether we are in person or online, and it is an amazing way to invest in the people on your team. The tickets are $119 or $99 if you buy four or more at Philo.org. So May 11th and 12th, Philo Conference. Yeah, make sure you sign yourself up and a few of your team members. Another part of Philo you could check out on our website is Philo Staffing. When I was leading a production staff and we had the need to fill a position, my first response was to ask the question, who do we have on our team who could step into that role? And at a certain point, we began running out of people. Or we needed to take a step beyond where any of us were. And that meant we needed to look outside. And finding someone who's qualified, who fit the culture, and who is great to hang out with was seemed like almost impossible. And this is one of the reasons I love Philo Staffing and our partnership with Slingshot Group. One of the Philo Corps team members, Caleb Lepke, understands what churches are looking for in a technical artist because he is one, and he works with a team of them at his church. If you're a church trying to hire someone, the Philo community is an amazing resource from which to find someone that fits your criteria. If you're a part of the Philo community and you're looking for a new challenge, Caleb is in contact with the churches that are looking for qualified technical artists to be a part of their team. Like everything we do around here, we want each of us technical artists to be more effective so that the local church can be more effective. And through Philo staffing, we're trying to connect the two halves. So whenever your situation, check out our website, philo.org slash staffing to get more info. Okay, you can follow us at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram and at, at Philo Conference on Twitter. You can always see what's happening on Philo.org. And if you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, you can send us an email at philopodcast at philo.org. All right, next time we're together, listen to this. It will be 2021. Thank God, right?
1: All right, see you then.